Misfits Audio presents Noche de Paz, written by Colin Thornton, read by Glenn Haskell, and produced by Chuck O'Hara. It was still dark when the first rooster crow yanked Nick out of his dream. He stared at the ceiling, hoping the bird would go back to sleep and let him do the same. But the rooster woke up the monkeys, and once they started howling, no one was going back to sleep. He got up, pushed up the shutters, and looked out over the town below. The sun was just peeking over the horizon. Light low, shadows long. The scrawny dog loped down the street, nose to the ground, hunting for scraps. Loneliness on any other day of the year pales in comparison to the dark, hollow emptiness of being alone on Christmas Day. Nick thought about his friends and family back home, drinking champagne and orange juice by the fireplace, eating warm apple strudel, roasted chestnuts and smoked salmon, bubbly chatter and laughter filling the house. Shreds of paper and ribbon scattered on the floor around the tree. Nieces and nephews still in their pyjamas, whirling through the house like little tornadoes. Even the Christmas carols he'd always found so cloying somehow sounded pleasantly soothing this morning. But instead of joining them, he was in a cheap Mexican hotel, in a small town with an unpronounceable name, surrounded by strangers, five thousand miles away from anyone he could call a friend. Selking would only make the day worse. So he dressed and went out into the streets, hoping to find someone or something to lift his spirits. He wandered mindlessly, following his feet wherever they led, until he found himself standing in a fruit stand at the Zocalo, a public square in the centre of town. A banana smoothie cost eight pesos. An extra peso for an egg, sugar and vanilla were free. He gave the vendor ten pesos and sat on a bench under a mango tree to drink breakfast and watch the show. On the far side of the square, a man and woman played a large marimba. A little girl in an embroidered floral blouse, uh, their daughter perhaps, wove through the crowd with a basket collecting tips. Shoeshine boys crisscrossed the park scanning for scuffed shoes. No self-respecting man would wear scuffed shoes on Christmas. Church bells rang. A flock of doves fluttered up through the trees and circled the church steeple while the people below streamed through the open doors. A young woman stepped into view, smiling, her eyes fixed on Nick. Walking straight toward him, bold for a Mexican girl, she reached out to shake his hand, introduced herself as Rocio, and in broken English told the gringo exactly what was on her mind. She wanted to improve her English and guessed that he might need to speak some Spanish. So, with a few verbs, key words, frequent references to a Spanish-English dictionario, and a lot of hand motions, they agreed to practice on each other. It was easy for Nick to agree, not just because she was pretty and his age, or that he had no other plans, but because he felt instantly at ease in her company, as if they'd always been friends. They spent the day at the Mayan ruins. It felt eerie to walk through the ancient city where one hundred thousand people once lived, and today, except for Rakio and Nick, was empty. By noon it was too hot to climb pyramids. The air was silver with humidity, impossible to think about moving without sweating. They cooled off in the shade beside a stream that ran from the mountains through the ruins into town. Animated with repeated scooping motions to her mouth, Rokio asked, What tonight you eat? Nick shrugged. Kian sabe? Who knows? She flipped her index finger back and forth between them and said, You eat my house, my familia. No, no, Nick thought. No, no, no. That would be imposing on a private occasion. 
He tried to decline, but she insisted. It was a double celebration, she said. Christmas was also her father's birthday. Everyone would be there. Bienes? Come. A few hours later, shortly after two o'clock, washed and shaven, wearing his cleanest travelling clothes, Nick wound his way through a maze of streets without names. And houses without numbers, out on the edge of town looking for Casa Rocio. Although he understood Spanish for turn left, turn right, straight ahead, around the corner, none of the directions people offered seemed to help. One campesino would point left, the next one right, the third straight ahead. He was lost. Before he could turn back, a faint shrill of laughing children lured him around the corner. He saw a young girl, blindfolded, swinging a stick at a pink and turquoise monkey piñata. Close by, an old man in white cotton pants and shirt tugged at a rope raising and lowering the piñata, just out of the young girl's range. Chairs followed every wild swing. Then the next child would try, until finally one split the monkey, spilling its belly full of treasure onto the street. The kids dove on the candies like pigeons on breadcrumbs in the park. They didn't even notice the blonde stranger arrive. Rocio welcomed Nick with a hug. She introduced him to her father, Ramon, the old man in white. Bienvenido, amigo, he said, shaking Nick's hand. Nick gave him the biggest bottle of mezcal he could buy on Christmas Day and a handful of cheroots. He said, My mother would kill me if I arrived without a gift for the host. Although Ramon didn't understand a word of English, the look on his face told him he was welcome and his gift appreciated. Rocio took Nick by the arm, and one by one introduced him to her cousins, friends, and neighbors. Everyone spoke at once, and so quickly he couldn't hear the gaps between words. Every minute or two he recognized a phrase and tossed a noun or a verb back into the conversation. Too often one neighbor would turn to the next and say, Que dice? What he say? They followed Ramon into the courtyard, and he pushed a shovel under a piece of corrugated tin covered with dirt and lifted it carefully. The aroma almost made Nick swoon. It billowed out of the hole in the ground, rolled across the yard and into the street. With their pockets full of candy, the kids abandoned the broken piñata and raced into the courtyard to watch Rocio and Ramon lift Christmas dinner out of the oven. Rocio explained that they built a fire in the pit yesterday. When it burned down, they set a large ceramic pot filled with armadillos, water, lemon, chilies, and wild mushrooms down onto the coals. Covered it with banana leaves, covered the leaves with tin, covered it with dirt to hold in the heat and let it cook for twenty-four hours. Ramon ladled the Christmas stew into the bowls and everyone went inside to eat. Casa Rocio was a two-room hut, walls made of branches wired together and slathered with mud, a tin roof and a dirt floor. Everyone found a place on one side or the other of the long wooden plank propped up on trestles that served as a table. They sat on chairs, on stools, on boxes, on plastic milk cartons, face to face so close their knees touched. Instead of forks and spoons, they used pieces of tortillas to pick chunks out of the stew, and when the bowls were empty, tilted them back and drank the stock. Rocio sat beside Nick and translated the conversation for him. He really didn't care what was being said. He was happy just to be there. After dinner the bowls were removed, the kids all crawled into hammocks in the next room. The bare bulb hanging over the table was extinguished and candles lit. Ramon passed Nick's cheroots around the table. Soon a thick cloud of cigar smoke hung between the table and the rafters. 
Rocio placed an empty shot glass in Nick's bottle of mezcal in front of the father. Like a flipping coin, the boisterous mood of the room hushed. She filled his glass with liquor. Ramon drained it and began to sing, alone, a cappella. Fully immersed in lyrics and melody, his rich baritone filling the room with a singularly beautiful rendition of a Mexican melody. It could have been a lullaby, a folk song, or a marching tune. Whatever it was, it sounded to Nick like a hymn. After the applause and bravos, Ramon passed the glass and bottle to the woman beside him who repeated the ritual. She took a drink, poured her heart into a song, and passed the bottle and glass to the next person. And so it went. Each person took a shot, sang a song, and passed it down the line. As the bottle got closer, Nick began to panic. He wasn't entirely certain that he wanted to sing in front of all these strangers. And even if he could squeak out a chorus or two, what would he sing? Oh, come, all ye faithful, wouldn't play well. And he sure wasn't going to sing La Cucaracha. Rocio pushed the bottle and the empty glass in front of Nick and poured him a shot. All heads turned his way, waiting, silently, expectantly. Rocio squeezed his hand. His first sight of her that morning in the Zocalo flashed through his mind. He drained his glass took a deep breath and sang the first line of El Condor Passa. I'd rather be a sparrow than a snail. And as if they'd rehearsed it a thousand times, the entire table joined him for the refrain. Yes, I would. If I could, I surely would. Their enthusiasm propelled him into the second line. I'd rather be a hammer than a nail. Once again they joined him. Yes, I would. If I could, I surely would. While he sang, Nick scanned the faces around the table, half lit by a flickering candle, half in shadow, instead of seeing twenty strangers. The group had coalesced into one single being. The line separating one person from another was gone. They were all sharing the same moment, the same emotions, the same candlelight, the same air. This magical night, indelibly etched into their memory, would unite them all, forever. And then, in a flash of dazzlingly vivid insight, they understood why. Mushrooms. They had all eaten wild mushrooms. And as if Nick's sudden realization had been broadcast over the radio to everyone in the room, they all smiled and nodded. They knew. He knew. Before he was aware of finishing his song, how he got through it, or how well he'd performed, he watched himself in slow motion past the bottle and glass to the next person. Eventually the liquor ran out. People started to yawn, collected their children, and began to leave. Nick realized that if he stayed any longer, he might never leave. So he too said good night to Ramon and Rocio. He walked alone through the tangle of unpaved streets, the hour so thick with sweet tropical fragrances it felt like he was swimming. His ears filled with a symphony of insect chirps, trills, and whistles. All nature is singing for me, he thought. I wonder what they're saying. A halo circled the new moon, and the stars shone with a swirling fluorescent brilliance like a night sky in a Van Gogh painting. As he crossed the Zocalo, he heard angels singing. 
a familiar Christmas carol drifted on the breeze from the church, floated across the square, lifted him off the ground, and carried him through the clouds and into the silent night. You have been listening to Nacho de Paz, written by Colin Thornton, read by Glenn Haskell, and produced by Chuck O'Hara for Misfits Productions. Season's greetings, and to all, a good night.